Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bollet, as always, as the Avalanche go one and one over the course of their last two games. Some good things, some bad things. They beat the Ducks 3-2 in regulation and lose to the Jets 4-2 in regulation. Still feels like a lot of the same problems that are plaguing this team right now, and they, they get away with it against a, a subpar Ducks team you should have beat last time, too. And just way too sloppy against the Jets. And you're still feeling a lot of those same issues. But going into that Ducks game and the Jets game, those lines get thrown in the blender. This was a much different team than the one we talked about last time. And it worked for one game. For one. Yeah, worked for one. Uh, The second one did not work as well. I don't know. We talked about a little bit on the, the last episode how we thought Maybe you break up McKinnon and Rantanen. I don't think we were – did we even mention breaking up the third line? No. we. I think we specifically said you don't break up the third yeah, line. Yeah, and like we said, Bednar's smarter than us 10 out of 10 times. He does split them up, and I don't know. It felt like a little reminiscent of last year with top line Logan O'Connor. Did that not feel a little weird to you? Oh, it's exactly what it was. I mean, it was a year to the day, I believe, that we played the Bruins and had like the Eagles playing just that exact same day. It's just almost becoming a tradition at this point. But the lines for this game against the Ducks and just a few bit of eeks and changes against the Jets. But for the Ducks, Drew Ann McKinnon O'Connor, Oscar Olauson, who was called up for this game on the second line with Ross Colton and Miko Rantanen, third line Wood, Johansson, Kiviranta, fourth line, Curtis McDermott, Freddie Olofsson, and Thomas Tatar. That like that is just random word generator blender lines. Yeah, it was it was weird. Uh, it it's just one of those games too where like we knew the changes were coming, but to have it be that drastic, I felt was a little crazy. And I don't know if you really did Miko any favors by putting them on that line. I, I just. I don't know. I think it's just, right now. I mean, this is going to be a big topic of this episode. I think Miko's not doing himself any favors right now. Ed Bednar is just trying to to do what he can. I agree with you. I don't think putting him on a line with Oscar Lawson in his season debut helped much. I think it was worth a shot with Ross Colton. Yeah. I think it was worth seeing it and seeing it over two games. Uh, I think we can say no. There is no chemistry there. None yet, and we should mention too, I mean, you had Val and Kale out for this game. Val was sick. He was sick again for the Jets game, which and no, and no Cagliano. And no Cagliano. So it, it did kind of explain a little bit of the, the jumbleness of the lines. But, yeah, I mean, it, it just didn't work. I mean, Olauson, I, I don't know what you're expecting from Oscar Olauson. I really don't. Like, he, he's still a young kid. I'm not going to give up on the kid. But in the, like, four or five games he played in the NHL, I can't remember him doing, like, anything <laughs> i mean I, I i get giving him a go you you've yeah. called up most of your guys at this point you just want to see if oscar lawson can impress you or do anything i didn't think he was very good yeah he didn't really do anything how many yeah. minutes did he play he played like maybe 10 minutes maybe yeah, and the, might and have been less game, than that 
probably probably less than that. I don't think he stuck around on that that second line for too long in this game. He played okay. He played eleven fifty. I mean, that's more than I expected. More than I expected, but yeah, he immediately got sent back down to the Eagles after or sent back up because they're technically up. But uh, yeah, he got sent back up, and I don't know. This game was this game against the Ducks should have been a kind of a smooth sail. Like we don't need to spend too much time on it because the game happened on Tuesday. If you haven't seen the highlights, you're you're not missing much. Curtis McDermott scored again. That's two goals for Curtis McDermott this year, Griffin. On two three goals. shifts at that point of the game, it was two goals on three shifts for hey, Curtis man. McDermott. My guy, man, two goals. I think he's already matched his season total from last year. He was like the sh- the goal was like it was actually a pretty goal. Nathan McKinnon <laughs> sets him up and he goes stick to or blade to stick. And beats John Gibson far, but it was a pretty goal, man. I it did not believe it was Curtis gross. McDermott. It was a pretty gross goal. Curtis McDermott is now just but a goal away from his career high of three over the course of a season. And has tied his career high as an Av with two in his first season with the team and beat last year already. He's got two, which is more than he had in 44 games last year when he had a grand total of one. Yeah, I mean, he's getting hot at the right time. And two of the silky goals by, by Curtis McDermott is one in Minnesota. And this one, like they're, they're pretty goals. I never thought I'd see the day where Nathan McKinnon gets an assist on a Curtis McDermott goal. And McDermott's the one making the highlight play. So that was cool to see. Um, the Avs jumped out to a 3 nothing lead in this game. Like we said, this game should have been over, but Miko on the power play, I have no idea what the fuck he was doing on that play, man. Like, if that doesn't kind of sum up what Miko Ranton's last eight games have been, just go watch that play uh, where he gives up that shorthanded goal because he ruins the shutout for Georgiev, ruins the shutout. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's just, he, he's not playing up to the standard we expect of Miko Ranton. Yeah, I just, they strip him of that puck incredibly easily in the neutral zone on a power play on a power play that even if you don't score takes two minutes off the clock in a three nothing game and you ice it essentially instead the ducks get life just it's it's lazy it was a lazy half-hearted play from Miko Rantanen and it was not better for the rest of that game even before that point and in the Jets game played 27 minutes Zero shots at five on five, one shot on the power play. And it was a, and it, it, he chunked it too. It wasn't yeah, even like a good slap shot. Uh, yeah, exactly. He chunked it. It was a bad shot. Like it's, he's struggling something fierce right now. And we talked last episode about you need one of your stars to go out there and dominate. Nathan McKinnon was involved in every single goal that was scored over the last two games. Every single one of them from McDermott all the way down, everyone on his line benefited and Miko Rantanen looked bad, like to the point where he was one of, I don't want to say the worst player on the ice. I'm, I feel like I'm being a little dramatic with that, but you get I don't think worse is right. It's just, we expect so much more of him. Right. And he's, he's not even meeting, like coming close to meeting the expectations. No. Not, not even a little bit, like to the point where it almost looks like self-inflicted load management. Where it's just he does not seem interested in these games. It's not even low management though. He's playing twenty seven minutes. Right, exactly. So it just what what are we doing here then? He's so, just getting his cardio in. Yeah, it's 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 been very frustrating over the last couple of games because when Miko Rantanen is on, it's noticeable. Guys go through slumps. Guys go through points where they just aren't scoring. This, this is not that. This is not a slump. When Miko Rantanen's playing, you can tell. That guy is putting up five to six shots a game, dancing around people, impossible to defend. 
And he he's just in a real deferring mood recently where he's letting other people do it for him. He's getting stripped of pucks. He's not getting open. There's just, there's not a lot going on with him. And I think a good example of it was, remember that the Jets game last night? I think it was still 3-2. He breaks into the middle of the ice and there's no one around him. And instead of looking to shoot, he's looking to pass. I get his backs to the goalie, but get, turn around and fire that puck on net, man. Like just, you can tell the confidence isn't there for him right now. Which is really strange because it just kind of disappeared one day. He was yeah. fine. He was great. The early person of the season It's not like this has just been a down year for Miko Rantanen. It's just been this last stretch. There just has not been a lot of interest from him for whatever reason. And Bednar, I think, is trying to do anything he can to try to get him ignited. He's breaking him up with McKinnon, like we suggested. And then later in this game against the Jets, putting him back with McKinnon. And you could see right away, McKinnon's dominating, even with Logan O'Connor and Druan on his line, where you got Druan setting him up for a nice goal against the Ducks. And he's setting up O'Connor for that goal that ended up being the game winner. So he's assisting on the McDermott goal. He's assisting on the Kiviranta goal. And Miko Ranton comes back on that line and it stops being effective, like almost immediately. Yeah. I mean, there were still moments where they were cycling the puck in the zone, but it was... It, it should be when you add a top 10 player in the world to your line, you should get better. And I don't think they got better. I think they kind of stayed the same in that game. Yeah. They just, at the end of the day, you need more. When you put it, you're playing a star for 27 minutes. First of all, should not happen. That, Correct. The, the way we are icing our forwards, we can't keep doing it this way. It's not going to work out for anyone. Also, when Mika Ranton's playing like that, maybe you don't need more of him it's tough because he's just one play away man like i just know but i'm getting major flashbacks to miko from two years ago yeah because last year he kind of put to bed that notion of like he doesn't really take the regular season seriously yada 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 and we thought maybe he had turned the corner into being that solid top 10 player year round he hasn't he's gone back to that kind of he looks disinterested like you're saying he looks disinterested in the game um he can fix it in like a the flick of the wrist, but it just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I mean, the guy's still sitting at 12 goals on the season, and he has not scored a goal since the empty netter against Vancouver, how many, however many games ago that was. His last goal against a goalie was November 18th in Dallas that ended up the game winner. <laughs> and yet even still, he's leading this team in goals. At the moment, like, you know, it's coming. This is not a question of is Miko Rantanen bad now? That is just a no blatantly stupid thing to even suggest. Miko Rantanen is one of the best players on earth, which makes this more frustrating. Right. Because he is one of the best players on earth. And when you see Miko Rantanen on, he single handedly dominates games. He single handedly can drag the Avs two wins. Like when McKinnon was out last year, he is scoring two goals a night, putting up three-point nights, impossible to guard, one of the most creative goal scorers in the league, can score however you want him to, on a rush, behind the net, on the slap shot, on the power play. He does it all. And so when you see all of those tools go away, you're kind of just left wondering what's going on. It can be very confusing at points. Um, I, I think he's going like, there's no question. He's going to get back. It, it's just so frustrating to watch it right now. And I, I want to say like, what gets him out of this rut is like a power play goal, but I think he just needs like, 
He just needs to see one go in, just one touch the back of the net, even if it's an empty netter. I think he just needs something to get the confidence going. Honestly, and we, I don't even know. I don't even know if it's just a goal that's going to get him going. I want to see him just like churning his legs, like let lay it, get some like just some fire a little bit. Like I don't think this is a slump. I think this is just kind of we're getting into the doldrums of the the regular season, and the, and the fire just isn't there. Because another guy, Thomas Tatar, is cold as cold can be right now. That's a guy where he gets one, and they're going to start going in with Miko. They should just be going in anyway, even if he is cold, because he is just that talented. I, there just needs to be more there, where if, he, if he's just even 75%, you're probably still going to be getting a goal maybe at least once every three games. Yes, yeah. 100%. But we're not, we're not even at that point right now, which just makes it all the more frustrating. We could be talking next episode about a Rantanen hat trick. That'd and be cool. Wondering, like, where was that the whole time? Because you know he can do it. You watch him on the ice, even when he's not having a great game. At his worst, he is a fine player. Yes. But for the standard we have for him as a top 10 player on earth, fine doesn't cut it. No. And we asked to see more from McKinnon. McKinnon, like you said, he's shown up big time these past couple of games. Uh, I think Bender even commented on He's like, yeah, that's the Nate we, we expect to see every night. Yeah. And he looked fantastic. Uh, in both games and Miko will get going. I, I think we're just really hurting. Like it doesn't seem like a lot of players are out right now forward wise, but when you look at it, you have Val out, you have Lecky. That's two top six forwards out of your lineup. And arguably like outside of your McKinnons and Rantanens and McCars, your most important players. Yes. Th- Lech- those are your, those are your energy getters. Th- those are the ones that bring the energy every night. They're for checking and Logan O'Connor's good. But I think Logan O'Connor is more like a doled down version of what Leckie is. Yeah, like Logan O'Connor is in, I do not mean this in any sort of disparaging way, like a very poor man's Lekkonen and Nachushkin. Like he can do kind of what they do at like a much slower level. They they yeah. just, they have more raw talent. They're faster. They shoot better. Like Logan O'Connor is awesome. I love Logan O'Connor. I don't think it's controversial to say that he's not Val or Lecky. And right. you, you can put him in that role and both are out. You, you don't want to, though. It, it's a break glass in case of emergency. Right. We're like, they're and, both out. Cogliano's out. You're missing important players. He can do it. You don't want him there for a long time. Right. And I, I think that Miko does need someone who can help him with that. And I know McKinnon's like one of the best players in the world and it should be going, but Val and Lecky just add that different element to those lines, whatever lines they're on that right now the abs don't have. And you're seeing it with their scoring. Um, it takes an amazing setup by McKinnon or, or Druan in the case of the Ducks game to, to get goals. And O'Connor gets a hard working one, but that's the only one you've had in the past two games. Right. And, and pretty yeah, much yeah. ever since Lecky went out, that's what we've been asking for. And Val was able to do it for a little bit, but that's where it gets tough. Was that O'Connor's first non-shorthanded goal? Yes. Okay. Because that that kind of just hit me now, and that is pretty funny. But you put him on McKinnon's line, and he produces almost immediately. And he looked fine on that top line against Anaheim. And obviously, in a late-game situation where you need a goal, it makes sense to maybe bump Miko back up there because you you don't expect offense from Logan O'Connor. But at the same time, Guy tries super hard. He's always going to work his butt off. And you you can tell he's he's doing his best to keep up with Nathan McKinnon. 
and he's, he's trying. Dude, I, I don't know. Are you the same way? Like, I hate how close their numbers are because I get yes. them confused all the time. And I'm like, wait a second. What? The, the, my brain can't process the fact that it's 25 and 29 on the same line. And then you throw in 27. It's just all sorts of fucked up, man. Like, we, we yeah, can't. Yeah. Be- Imagine being them, trying to defend them. <laughs> like, I think there was one point. Was it in the Ducks or the Jets game? I think O'Connor tried to do like a drop pass to McKinnon. And it just whiffed horrifically. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I mean, that should happen. Logan O'Connor is not playing with Nathan McKinnon that much, I imagine. So it, it, it's tough. Um, the injuries are tough for this team right now. The good news is, is Leckie skated. Um, I still don't think he's anywhere close to coming no. back. But the fact he's back on the ice indicates maybe by January he, he's it, back. Like, should emphasize, like, light skating yeah no contact like literally was on the ice and anything more is a stretch like he's on skates there's they did want to emphasize like no timeline yeah like we don't really have a clue as to when like and it's going to be back this is just quite literally the first step well i mean we said when the injury originally happened if we get him back by january we'll be happy yeah like it, it's it's good. He's able to – he's on the skates again. I imagine – like, I don't know if Val got the flu. We don't know. Hopefully he's back tomorrow or today by the time you're listening against the Flyers because they desperately need him, especially in this game against the Flyers. And you got Cogliano back. You got McCarr back. Byram took a scary hit in that Anaheim game. I don't think it was a dirty hit at all. No. Um, it was a clean hit. It's just whenever Byron gets hit in the upper body, your just mind automatically goes to, oh, fuck, don't be another concussion. And right. the fact that he left the game uh, against mm. Anaheim wasn't a great moment, but he did end up playing against Winnipeg. So that was good. But you got Byron back. McCarr came back for the Winnipeg game. But I don't know. Did you notice? I, I don't think Kale McCarr was 100% in that game. No, nowhere close. Kale was, you can almost say he was not good in yeah. that game. He's he was fighting it in this game almost to the point where I'm just like, dude, stop. We don't need this right now. Like, if that's the kind of thing we're going to be getting, we don't need to risk further injury, right? Because he's clearly fighting something right now, and he was not very good. So I I just don't see the point if that's going to be the case. He was not Kale McCarr, and that's right. that's tough to tough to live with those expectations if you're banged up. Add on to the fact that Devon Taves just has brain a brain fart like once every like ten games now. <laughs> and uh, it, it kind of led to the the Winnipeg game. I don't think. Do you have anything else about the Anaheim game other than Byram getting? Oh yeah, dinged? I mean, there's there's the whole you were up three to nothing with ten minutes to go in the game. You have the Ranton and turnover that puts them back in it. And before we got into the Ranton and rant, we were going to talk about what happened after that, where you get a you basically give up a full five on three for two minutes because Freddie Olofsson trips Leo Carlson. Did he dive? Maybe a little bit. Uh, Curtis McDermott decides he doesn't like that and like goes after him and just puts himself in the box and gives the ducks a full five on three, you know, and if his goal was to sh- show Leo Carlson that that's not okay, he, he sure showed him, gave him a full five on three and Leo Carlson scores the goal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought it was a little ticky-tack. I think we've seen worse scrums than that not get penalized. It's a scrum, but it's also completely unnecessary to go yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, it's just Curtis McDermott's play style. I, I think that's just what it is. 
I'm not excusing the penalty, but I did think it was a little soft of the referees at that it's, point. It's a soft penalty, but there needs to be awareness there that you should not be putting yourself in that situation. If he hit him in the head, like if Leo hit him in the head or something and you go after him and tell him that's not okay, he sold a call a little bit. You're on a power play. You're up two goals. Don't give the ref an excuse. You're First of all, terrible optics going after the 18 year old like the, the, you're not getting the benefit of the doubt there you're no, not i think i think that was the difference in it right there but yeah i mean that it, that five on three was it was completely avoidable i thought it was gonna be like four minutes of power play i was kind of relieved it was a five on three for two whole minutes because i'd rather have that than four minutes straight of power play i don't know why don't ask me why my brain works that way but yeah i mean leo carlson we talked about last episode he's good He's really fucking good. And these top three picks we talked about, I mean, Fantilli scored tonight. and Scored two last night. Yeah, I mean, he Fantilli's awesome. Carlson's awesome. Bedard's awesome. Like, this this draft class is going to be pretty damn good. And, yeah, Leo Carlson, I think Bednar said afterwards the game, he's like, he's the whole package. Like, he's big, skates fast, he works hard. Like, that kid's going to be a problem for a long time. So, he's good. He gets that power play goal. But other than that, I thought Georgiev was great in this game. Yeah, he's been I, great I, in the past two. Yeah, he's been good in the last couple of games against the the Ducks. I thought he did everything he needed to do. I mean, Ranton and screwed him on that. Yes, like, and he still almost made the save on it. Yeah, he he got a piece of it. It just kind of snuck right through him. Ranton and owes him big for ending that shutout. And then it's it's a five on three. It's a perfect cross seam pass right to Leo Carlson. Like he can't get over there in time. Like it's not nothing he can do on that one. But you transition over to the the Jets game. I thought he was good in that game. I, d- I didn't like the second goal. I thought it was a weak shot from Kyle Connor that just kind of skidded along the ice. But other than that, I mean, it, Devontae's lost his mind on yeah. the goal. I, is it something like he just doesn't know what to do behind his own net? Like we, I don't know. I mean, it was very clear the Jets were more than content for that period just to go to Like, he had to stay behind the net. Anything else yeah. in that situation would have been – it would have been better if you actively laid down on the ice the, the jets can't get to that puck in right. time it would have been better if you picked up the puck and started juggling with it even if you take the, the penalty for closing your hand on the puck it's still better than whatever that was yeah. and it's so bizarre that you say that about Devontae's right primary skill is being the smartest player on the team and on the ice pretty much in every game it shows mistakes happen to the best of us and there's been a couple of them from Taze this season, a little more than I'm comfortable with. But I think that's kind of a symptom of the whole team right now. We're just, for some reason, especially in the final minute of these periods, the, the attention to details are there are just lacking. Yeah. It, they have to lead. The, I don't know if there's a stat. The abs have to lead the league in last minute goals allowed. They have they, to. They have. There's no way any other team has given it'd, up. It'd be really funny because you'd look at that stats and be like, oh, all these teams are bad. And then, oh, wait, there's the first place Central Division team in there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's bad. I, It's just, I mean, Taves, I I don't know. My, my theme from this game is is you basically spotted the Jets two goals. Yeah. And what was the difference in the game? Two goals. So you, you, you deserve that loss. And I don't think – the Avs played terrible in this game against the Jets. I actually thought they were pretty solid offensively. Defensively, there were moments where they were getting trapped in their zone, but I didn't think it was terrible from them. You could definitely tell the difference when the Jets had their top line out there. The Jets' top line was dominant in this game. I oh, thought yeah. Shifley, Connor was good. Ehlers was good. 
But outside of that, I thought the Avs did a pretty good job. And I know they're shorthanded when it comes to the top six. I thought they were okay. It was just when you give the opponent two goals, you're it's tough to win those games. Yeah, you have to respect how good the Jets are. That's yep. a good team. I don't think they're Stanley Cup contenders, but they are absolutely a team that you have to take seriously going into a game. And if you're going to spot that team two goals, even the empty net goal, I thought was just way too easy for them to score. Where you have Nathan McKinnon doing his best to drag this team to a win. The Jets are too good to, to give up on a game where they're being handed goals like that. They have a talented team. They have Connor Hellebuck, one of the best goalies in the world. They have a defense that for probably the first time since they went to the conference final does not actively suck or is a bottom five defense. It's not, I wouldn't go as far to say it's great or even good. It's okay. Which for them is a miracle. That's a win. Yeah. And they have stars like Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley, and they added a bunch of depth for Pierre-Luc Dubois and they look good. That's a team you've got to take seriously. They took this game seriously. I didn't think the abs were that bad at all. But they're just momentary lapses where Taze loses his mind, where not really losing his mind from Makar, but he blows a tire again. And Yorgiev, I think he just gets fooled by the flub shot from Kyle Connor. It just goes right past him. And Malinsky just chilling in front of his goalie. Dude, and- that goal was so funny in my like I'm just sitting there. I'm like, is there a worst case scenario for Sam Malinsky? Like he's played well in the games he's been up. That is like your worst case. That was your worst case scenario. Like he's just trying to win a puck battle, and all of a sudden, Josh Morrissey. The coverage on this play is just—I don't know what the abs are. They have four guys on the side of the ice, and Malinsky's the only one on the other side. And Josh Morrissey, who's a good defenseman, he's—he's known for his offense, has just free range on a screen goaltender, (laughs) Georgiev, who's screened by his own teammate. (laughs) And I loved it. Like I know people were like, "Oh, I can't believe Georgiev whacked Malinsky." I, I think it was just a love tap, being like, "Hey, man, like, l- let me see the fucking puck." <laughs> I, I, there was some frustration there. I don't think oh, he. Would, yeah. I don't think he would have apologized if it was a a love tap. I mean, Bednar. They asked him if he talked to him about. It. He's like, "Yeah." But for it's it's half and half. Where Malinsky be literally anywhere else on the. It'd right. be better if you were actively going to the bench because at yeah. least Georgiev can see. And Georgiev, it's just a momentary frustration. Man, he didn't like try to cut his leg off, but no. you, don't, you don't want to whack the rookie. That's not great. Yeah, he gave him a little tap. Yeah. It was, it was, it, I thought it was funny. I mean, just because Malinsky, like, that's your worst case scenario. Like, you've played well, and he got his first point, his NHL point in, uh, in this game. But yeah, that was kind of a flub from him, other than I think it's been a good start for him and for his NHL career. But you look at all three goals, I think all three goals are preventable. Absolutely. And, Georgiev stopped everything else and you just you couldn't get enough past Connor Hellebuck Nathan McKinnon was phenomenal in this game a goal and an assist the one by Kiwi Ranta I get refs have a hard job but if I could see that on my TV that it clearly went in how can you miss that and you're right in front of it yeah I mean it's one of the few times where you're like thank god you have a review I mean that was very clearly in the net you like right. they're, they're they're sounding the horn, the goal lights on and everything. Everyone and their mother knows that puck is in. There. Right. It's just kind of a waste of everyone's time at that point. At least they got it right eventually. But like you were saying, McKinnon, dominant in this game, dominant the Ducks. The Avs scored five goals, and McKinnon was involved in every single one. It's exactly what we wanted. It's almost like you listen to the episode, which I doubt. That'd be cool. Could you imagine if we had a player who listened to our episode? They'd yeah, just like, someone yeah, like really secretly is like, damn. 
It's like, damn, that's a good point. I need, I should, I should just be Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. It's great commentary by us, but he was great. You talked about a man, Thomas Tatar. He was on jeopardy of being scratched in this game. I thought he was great in this game against the Jets. I, I thought he was, I thought he should have been the six forward on when we went empty net instead of Johansson. I really do. He's so close. It's, yeah. it's not even funny that he is actually right there. He probably should, if he had normal luck, five, six goals yes. on the season so far, realistically. And I'm telling you, just one, just something that just goes under a goalie's arm, even if he just shoots a puck in an empty net from the entire ice and it goes in, they're going to start going in yeah. for him. He looked genuinely good in this game. He had an impact, even though he didn't score a goal. He had several chances. He was able to get some deflections that just went wide. Like he's, he's right there. I like his game. He's getting close. And I, I, I honestly, when everyone comes back in the lineup, I think Drew Wands made a case. He's going to stick around even when it comes down. Cause he's played phenomenal. Tatar's working his way back in. I think there's a serious question. The only reason I think Freddie Olsen's staying in the lineup is because he's a center. Like, even, even then, is he really a center? Yeah. I mean, he he hasn't been great. Like you said, we, we were talking off air. I think fourth line center is something they're going to be looking to upgrade at the trade deadline. Nick Dowd, right. the Capitals would be a great addition, like you were saying. But he hasn't been great, but the – I think Tatar is could be on the, the block for getting scratched when everyone's healthy because he doesn't play center. Yeah, but for Freddie Olofsson, like if you're going 16% in the faceoff dot and you are on the season, is he even at 30% on faceoffs right now for the He's entire probably close. Probably like around that. Are you a center or are you like He's at 33% on the season yeah. right now for the faceoff dot? I think we're really stretching to say he's a center and he's struggled over the last couple of games. I wonder what they're going to do if they're going to bring up Ben Myers to see what he can do in that situation. But I imagine that's going to be something they focus on as we get closer yes. to the deadline. Yes, it's going to be. But I, I, I've i been really encouraged by the way Tatar and Drew Ann are playing. Tatar in the past two games has shown signs of life. Now let's see if we can he can actually continue it going forward but he's showing signs of life and Duran looks like a completely different player than what he did a month ago I mean like, he is on he's he's not like crazy going with points but the confidence with the puck has been phenomenal yeah and all you have to do is look at ice time where Jared Bednar trusts him he put him on the top line he played 25 minutes against the Jets well, you tell me that two weeks ago, I would have said you were crazy. How much did the Avs lose by and why were they getting blown out by yeah, so much? Like, and like, what kind of deal did he strike with Bednar? I mean, obviously it took Val and Lecky being out of the lineup for us to get to this point, but you got to play Take some. advantage of the opportunity, man. Yeah. I mean, he could have played someone else, but the yeah. guys that he rode in this game were McKinnon, Rantanen, and Jonathan Drouin, and to a certain extent, Ross Colton, who played 20 minutes, Logan O'Connor, who also played 20 minutes, but he played Drouin five minutes more than they did. Yeah, I mean, Drouin's earning that ice time, and he's he's looked he's looked better. I'm still not expecting him to go like crazy with points, but if this is the Jonathan Drouin I'm getting for the rest of the year, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I mean, it's a great heads-up play on the, the goal that McKinnon scored. He just gives a right to him, wide open net. Great play. Yep, yep. He, he's playing good. I've been encouraged by Tatar and Drew Ann and Ross Colton and Miles Wood. 
we mentioned the lines got blended. It, they looked their most effective, I think, late in the third period when Bednar put their line back together. Yeah. I, I just don't think you fuck with that line, man. I just don't think you do because that's when Ross Colton and Miles Wood, I think, are at their most effective is when they're together. Yeah, I mean, and they're going to be together for a long time on this team. You got Miles Wood for five more years after this and Colton on this deal for three more. I, I say you just keep them together. I mean, separated, you put Colton with Rantanen and Lawson. It was just, it was awkward. Like they're just, there wasn't a lot of chemistry there. I thought Wood against Anaheim, I thought he had a lot more jump to his game. I think that's just what Miles Wood is always going to be on this team. He's just always going to be going at 100%. And he, it, it was a decent enough bounce back. Again, those two together just work. Yeah. And throw in Logan O'Connor too. It's just a junkyard dog yeah, line. Just exactly. Junkyard dog line, always fighting for pucks, always going to be standing up for each other and making life hell for everyone else. I think you just keep those two together. Wood and Colton, if you move O'Connor up or down, I think you can interchange and doesn't matter all that much. But those those two together just work and you know they're going to work. I think you, you figure out everything else around that. Hey, everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far, interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games, and who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets when you sign up. Best of all, nobody's going to be missing out on any of the actions this season because all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. So what are you waiting for? Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Now, back to the episode. So let's go on a hypothetical world here where it's everyone's healthy. Uh, minus Gabe Landisco. You have Leckie and Val back. Do you think a line of Colton Wood and Drewan could work? I think it could work. I think Drewan could bring something different to that line. I mean, you have Wood and Colton who can do a lot of the nasty stuff and Drewan with a little bit more skill to maybe set them up. And especially now that he's confident, I think that could work. I I, I don't hate the idea of that line at all. Because what like we're talking about, like the, the apps have an abundance, not an abundance, they have a lot more forwards than they usually would. And if you look at the potential of Lecky being back, Val being back, who comes out of the lineup? Because you're not taking Kibi Ranta out. Right. Kibi's like, staying in. I mean, be, the obvious ones, your top six is staying in. Druan's staying in. Wood, Colton in. Tatar's on the chopping block. Olofsson, I imagine, might be out by that point already. Cogliano's not coming out. O'Connor's not coming out. So you, you really kind of are just down to Tatar and Olofsson, and Olofsson's going to be out first. You think Olsen would be out first instead of Tatar? I think Tatar would be out first. Maybe. I mean, it just depends at that point. I mean, it might be it might be both, honestly, in a game because you might be bringing up Ben Myers playing him where Olofsson is, but it doesn't leave any room for Tatar. I mean, it's, it's, it is unfortunate because we're talking up Tatar. He's been playing great. There might just not be room for him sometimes. Right. That's kind of what I'm thinking, man. Like, it's, it's going to be tough. 
obviously I I don't think there's going to be a scenario where the abs are a hundred percent healthy in a season. That's just not going to happen. And then like, that's never really a case for anybody. Yeah. It's just, it'll be interesting to see what they do because yeah, I agree. Tatar has been better, but at some point you do have to produce something on the ice. I mean, because not only does he have to produce something, he has to prove that he belongs in the top six. Right. He's wasting his time on the fourth line. He's not going to get in on the third. I mean, maybe you put him on the right wing, then what are you doing with O'Connor? Are you bumping him up or down? Like, and then at that point, there's still a, a gap in right. on the wings in the top six. Tatar needs to prove he can take that role. Because right. if he can't do that, I don't know what else to do with him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting when we get down to that point. But right now we don't have to worry about it because Lechnan's still far off. You are going to get back Val. Hopefully by the time you're listening to this, the news has already come out that Val is playing on Saturday. But yeah, I mean, it's still just because if Kovalenko comes in too, man, like this is going to be an interesting lineup. Uh, it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. I just don't know who you take out because the eye test so far, I'd say Tatar these past two games, he deserves to stay in the lineup. But you're not taking Kiviranta out because of his penalty killing. You're not taking Cogliano out because of his penalty killing. O'Connor's been too good to take him out. Olofsson is technically a center, so maybe that gives him an advantage. It's going to be an interesting interesting way that we look at it yeah i i think we're we are far from the trade deadline i'm very interested to see what they're gonna have up their sleeve because i i don't know if you can like tinker with this lineup i think there does need to be like a real finishing touch to this team and maybe figuring out what to do with some of these these holdouts i suppose on the season so far I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be very interesting to watch. Like it, because like Kovalenko could come in and be good, but also like, well, we don't have anywhere to play you. Right. That's what's like, going to be. That's yeah. going to be the tough part, man. This is going to be a very interesting way they handled it. Um, also, like another thing that we've talked about a couple episodes, but not really today. Ryan Johansson this game played 12 minutes. Yeah. He's he, kind of, he's does not trust him. And I don't blame him because every time Johansson's out there, he just looks slow. Like he looks slow. And Bednar even said it. He was asked about why are you playing Ross Colton more than Ryan Johansson? I think his response was, wouldn't you play Ross Colton more than Ryan Johansson? Yeah. Or something along that I don't effect? know if it was exactly that, but that, that's yeah. essentially you read between the lines. That's what he's saying. He's saying Ross Colton's been better than Ryan Johansson and it doesn't take a hockey expert to watch the games and, and realize that, that Ross Colton is better at even strength and he's getting more ice time than him. But you're going to get to a point this season where you're paying Ryan Johansson $4 million to be your second line center. And also Ross Colton's getting $4 million, so fair comparison. But at a certain point, you need to be able to trust the guy you brought in to be your second line center. If you're not playing him at even strength, then what are we doing? With the this? two things coincide. McKinnon's playing 27 minutes. The reason why is because Brian Johansson's only playing 12. Right. right? That, that's the reason why. And yet, there's no sugarcoating it. It has not worked out so far. Yeah. It and he's done certain things. He's had his explosions of goals where he has the, the wraparound goal and a couple of odd man rushes. Early in the season, he banged in a couple on the power play. But the the consistency isn't there. The, the foot speed just isn't there. Yeah, some of the numbers are, but it's I I don't know what the plan to do with this is because this is not a one-off. He's got another year after this. Yeah. This is not just like you get into February 
and you you just dump them in a deal and swap salaries because you're you're gonna probably have to entice a team to to maybe take that on or maybe have a bad team do that, but they're not gonna do that as a favor. No. And are, are they even in, are they even interested in doing right. something like that if they were willing to invest the extra year into Ryan Johansson to begin with? But you can't be icing him for twelve minutes if and if you don't trust him, then I don't know. And I, I love Ross Colton, but I don't know if twenty minutes is going to work for him. I think no. He, I think the sweet spot for Ross Colton is like fourteen to sixteen minutes. Yeah, that's I, the sweet was, spot for him. Like there's got to be a way to have them at very similar ice times. Cause I think that's the way this team was built where you get Ryan Johansson on this team, but there's at least help behind him and Ross Colton that can maybe handle some more of those even strength minutes. But I I think they expected more from Ryan Johansson at even strength to the point they didn't think they'd need to lean on Colton this hard. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not really an elephant in the room. It's just pretty obvious where we're at with it. So We'll have to see. I, I don't know what's going to happen with them. It, it's it's going to be interesting. I thought we may have a second line center problem figured out. We don't, but it's going to be interesting. The trade deadline is still far away, but I imagine McFarland and Sack are already working their way towards towards figuring out something because yeah. it's you, you can't have a second line center playing twelve minutes a game. You just can't. You can't. And the thing is, is like his two old line mates and Drew and Tatar have been better without him. And that kind of kind of tells you all you need to know right there. They've been better without him. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what this team does. And it's just so annoying because, like we said last episode, the solution to your problem is sitting on your LTIR and Gabriel Landeskog. Like, yeah, you've the got solution to every problem is Gabriel Landeskog. And he's just on LTIR. There's nothing you can do about it. So yeah, you got a lot of problems that are solved just sitting on your LTIR. Val, underrated MVP of this team. This team just does not win when he's not in the lineup. Yeah. Lekkanen, perennially underrated guy, just the glue in the top six. And yeah, the best captain in the league, Gabe Landis, yeah. that you just don't have. Sam Gerard is just unavailable for an indefinite, time. indefinite amount of time. That's a very big hole missing on your defense right now. And you just, you kind of have to live with it. But just as, as a little trivia, when was the last time Ryan Johansson played more than 15 minutes in a game? Was it the Calgary game? Uh, no. Dallas? Uh, it was the game before that in Anaheim. He played 15-09. Cause it's funny because the goal, the games that he's scoring in are the games he's playing the least. Yeah. But against Tampa, he had the two goals. He played 10-58 in that game. Calgary, he had 13-29. And then Dallas played 10-55. That's what you expect to have a third line center. Not a second line center. So it it needs to be adjusted and Bednar needs to gain the, or Johansson needs to gain the trust of Bednar because this isn't sustainable with McKinnon and Ranchman playing 27 minutes. It's just not. And yeah. And it would be a lot easier to stomach if he was good on the power play. He started good on the power play and it's not entirely Ryan Johansson's fault, but the power play has been terrible. And yeah, you kind of led to my next point. I'm watching the Penguins play right now. They're on like an 0 for 35 streak. I think the Abs could join them here so shortly because that's how bad the power play's been. Yeah, there's some bad power plays in the league this year. Yeah, the Penguins with Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Eric Carlson, Jake Gensel have not scored in like 10 games. The Capitals are worse than them. They went like 
I think 10 games without a power play goal. I think they finally scored one the last with the greatest power play goal scorer of all time on their team. Yeah. With five goals, only three of them on a goalie so far this season, like at least the abs have had some success on the power play so far this year, just to put that in context, but it was abysmal in this game against the jets in particular was not great against the ducks either, but it was noticeably bad. Well, you had the five on three in the third period. You're down by one. You have 47 seconds of five on three. Did they even get a shot? Like it, it was the most uninspired four on five on three. I, I think it was Evan who said that. That was like, well, that was a not very inspiring five on three because they did absolutely nothing with it. Yeah. I mean, it's crucial five on three. You're down a goal at home, division opponent. 47 seconds is not nothing. You can do right. something with that. And they did not generate anything. And it just felt like from that point on, you don't take advantage of that. You don't deserve to win, especially with the goals you've you've let slip in the other direction. Like at that point, you're fucked. Yeah, and there's no excuse with this power play. I mean, I, I will not tolerate it. You have three of the best players on planet Earth on the top unit. They they should be creating more than they're creating right now. Right. Like there's no excuse for it. I don't know what it I don't know if it's Bray Bennett's structure. I think that's a conversation worth having. But it's also you watch them and there are certain plays that if they were just done correctly would probably end up in the net, but they wait too long for them there. That cross seam pass is open. It's open for a split second. If you just execute it, it's there and you're probably scoring on it, but Rantanen's waiting too long. He's hanging out in front of the net. McKinnon is thinking about it a little bit. McCarr's doing the same. It, there is just too much talent for it to be struggling this badly. This should There's be a lot of standing perfect. around on it. A exactly. lot of standing around. A lot of it just looks like a lot of guys waiting for someone else to do it for them. Where this should be the perfect mix. You have Kale McCarr, the inarguably the best blue line skater in the NHL, the perfect power play quarterback on any team. Miko Ranton, one of the most creative, well-rounded goal scorers in the league, and Nathan McKinnon, much like McCarr, beautiful setup man super stupid fast and can really score from anywhere and after that it shouldn't even matter you get a right. net front presence like ryan johansson who should be able to bat in a couple rebounds he gets his job taken by jonathan druan who's probably the best looking player on the power play recently oh well, and that's the thing i think they're missing that net front presence in that top power play unit and druan has been great i get rewarding him with the time but he's not a net front guy. And Miko, even though he's big, isn't the greatest net front guy. Like you need he's, a value. He's, he's a side of he's a side of the net guy. Yeah. Like you need you need Landy, you need Val. And those are your net front guys. And Johansson at when he was good this year, he's been best when he's in front of the net on the power play. So I, I get trying to reward Drew Ann, but I, I think you put Johansson back on the top power play unit and go from there. I mean, it's it's an interesting decision because, like I just said, Joanne's probably the guy who's executing the best on yes. the top play. He's making the fastest passes, getting people open. He, he's not a finisher, though, so he's right. not going to be the guy who takes the final shot. He's the guy who's going to pass it to Rantanen for the one-timer that's for the finish. He's doing his job, but it just seems like there there's four other guys who, just, who aren't thinking straight for some reason. Yeah, it, it it's got to get figured out. And I think they're like 0 for 14 in their last 14. Yeah. Like it's been bad. I mean, the the stretch we were on recently where we were scoring one in every game, the power play was not playing that well. They were getting a little lucky, but look at the difference it made. Just getting one power play goal. You were winning essentially all of those games. Right. 
Right. It's a difference in the game. So I, I you got to mix it up. I think you put Johansson back up there. And I mean, because Ross Colton was up there the past couple of games with Val being out. Miles Wood was getting some power play time. Like it was, it was, it was not great. Um, did you see, or do you have the Penguins game on? Yes. You see Lars Eller was on power play one. Yeah. It's not great in Pittsburgh <laughs> right now. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, holy shit. They are desperate with Lars Eller's playing power play minutes. I remember those days. I mean, it's just baffling with them, isn't it? Like, cause they're like, every team has their power play struggles, but like, holy fuck. Over 34 is, is an impressive. That struggle. is, I, I have never seen that. And again, yeah. we're talking Crosby. Malkin, Latang, Eric Carlson, Jake Gensel. Like, who even gives a shit about power play two at that yeah. point? It should not matter. <laughs> but that's the same thing you should be saying with the abs because the abs have that much talent too, and they should not be struggling, but they are. So you just mix it up. I it's gonna come back. It's just it's incredibly frustrating when it costs you games because you look at that Winnipeg game, and if they score on that five on three, there's no doubt in my mind they win that game in regulation. Yeah, they get the momentum back on their side. At very least, you drag it to overtime like they've done the last couple of games. Even if you lose, you steal a point and you're not feeling super broken up about it. Like, I feel like I've done a lot of ranting this episode. This is far from the worst loss this team has suffered this season, but it does feel like one that they gave away. A lot of mistakes, a lot of just failing on execution that if you just did it, if you didn't lose your mind on like five separate plays, you're walking out of there with a big division win on your home ice yep yep and luckily we get to re redo this in a couple of days or a week yeah but, a week and a half yeah we can have that that game like you said I, I wasn't pissed but it was like you gave away that win like right. you played it's, well enough to win that game right it's just, it's not throw your remote across the room loss it's it's a roll your eyes and turn it off yeah that's kind of how i was too but um anything else about these two games before we move into our preview for the next two because they still do have three games left on this homestand. Um, you should you can make the case all three they should win. They should. And you can finish four and one on this road trip or this homestand, and you'll be feeling pretty good. Right. You finish four and one on the homestand, then, I mean, you take that every single time. Right. 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 You can't win every game, but four and one's good. Um, let's start first with this Flyers game. We've talked about the Flyers all year. Like, so, somehow this team is good, and they just keep finding ways to win. Uh, the John Tortorella effect, I guess, is in full effect here. Do they even have Carter Hart, or is he still hurt? Uh, for Hart, honestly, I don't even know. Yeah, I, I don't know who's going to start for them tomorrow or today by the time you're listening to this. I imagine Georgia plays again. I would think so. I mean, it's been Carter Hart, but it's also been Samuel Urson, I think his name is, who's been decent for them, at yeah. least. And Carter Hart's been holding the four. He's a 9-16 on the season so far. And I don't know, there's just some kind of secret sauce with the Flyers right now. Like they've they've got good players. I think we definitely underestimated like there are good players on this team. Sean Couturier coming back, one of the most underrated players in the NHL. I know people hate that phrase, but for Sean Couturier, that is just true. Like Sean Couturier is an, an incredible player who's been plagued by injuries the last several seasons, like back surgeries hip surgeries it's a miracle he's come back and has been as good as he's been this entire season but even after that like Travis Konechny is really good Joel Farabee is very strong and I mean their defense hasn't been a disaster like I I thought this was one of the worst defenses ever assembled but 
Travis Sand has been good. Cam York has been really solid as well. Like they've got good young players on this team. Their goaltending is not letting them down. And in their bottom six, like they've got enough rough and tumble guys that handle the nasty stuff too. I mean, we did not give the Flyers credit. They did a good job. Yeah, it's a formidable team. I did not know Mark Stahl was still playing in the NHL. That's good to know. Um, he plays for the Flyers. Did you know that? I didn't even see him on the lineup until yeah. you did. Yeah, so Mark Stahl's still in there. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a, a lot closer game than I think we want. If Val plays in this game, I think that makes a huge difference for this team. You brought up Couturier. He is a great defensive forward. Um, I still wish the Avs could have gotten Garnet Hathaway some way, somehow. Uh, that would have been like my dream player for the Avs to get in their bottom six. Oh, you're, but, you're, you're telling me Garnet Hathaway would be a perfect Av. But yeah. I mean, 2.3 offensive for a guy with three points, but yeah. you know. It's a lot. But I do think the Avs find a way to win this game. I think it's going to be like a 3 2 game. I think they win it in regulation. I, I think we get a Miko goal in this game. I, I really do think he's he's going to score in this one. So yeah. I, I got I, the Avs winning 3 2. I think we've done enough Miko talk that he's going to come out and just have a big game and at and least shove it in our face games. But I think you're at the point where it's kind of no longer an option. You need right. a good one from Miko Ranson. And it's been too long without a goal and too long since he's really even been effective. And with games coming up against the Flyers and the Flames, not the best teams in the league, you, you need your star to come in and take over, especially while the depth is struggling like they are right now missing several key players and having to jumble the lines if he's on his own line he's got to go and carry that thing like mckinnon did in the last two games it was not a problem without rantanen wasn't a problem and i i think we're gonna get going a little bit so what what do you think the final score is for that game i think it's gonna be an uncomfortable game honestly i'm 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 leaning overtime i think the abs are due for an overtime win i'm gonna say three to two they win it but the Flyers, they just got something about them right now. Going to be honest, have not watched a lot of Flyers games. Have not watched a single Flyers game this year. Yeah, I watched honest. I watched them play the Penguins, but they just have some sort of secret sauce about them. And Tortorella's got them doing the right things. And they've got good enough players that we're more than 25% of the way through. They're still second in the Metro. They're solid, man. Tortorella, like, as much as he annoys me, he is a good coach. You know, you gotta you gotta tip your cap sometimes. Yeah. Like he is taking a team that has every excuse in the world to be at the bottom, and nobody would even blink twice about it. His job would be safe, even if they were in the bottom five. And he's got them in a playoff spot. They have a winning record, twenty six games into the season. You imagine if this continues, and then they add that Mitchkoff kid. Yeah, <laughs> like again, I think the flat, they're not that far off. No, you add are. you add Mitchkov back into the lineup, and they have Florida's first from the Giroux yes. trade, right this yes. year. So they're going to be adding two more prospects into the mix again this season, and they've done a decent job drafting recently. And Carter Hart is to just turned twenty five. Yeah, if he's he, getting, he's getting better. Like he, he's a twenty five year old goalie. Like he got called up when I was in high school. Like that was like four years ago. You called the kid up when he was like 21, 22 years old. I remember being a senior and being like, wow, they're already going to waste the Carter Hart bullet already. And yeah, he sucked for a little while. Yeah, he was 21. No shit. And now he's finally maturing into a full time NHL goalie. And you can see he's getting much better and probably only has much better years ahead of him. I mean, a guy like Konechny is only 26, Farabee's only 23. 
I mean, guys like Couturier are 31 with injury history, but like even the I'm blanking on his name, who'd they trade for in the Drew trade? Uh, what's his name? Owen Tippett. Owen Tippett, 24 He's years old. old. He's solid guy. Honestly, if the Flyers fall off a bit, I would not mind the F's targeting a Owen Tippett at one and a half million dollars. I wouldn't either. Young guy with a scoring touch. I think that could be a pretty fine idea. But yeah, that, I respect what the Flyers have done. Even if I don't like them, you've got to tip your cap. This the, I thought this team for the last two years was going to be at the bottom for a long time. They could be in the playoffs like in the next like three years. That'd be very they could cool. Be, they could be in the playoffs this year. Yeah. Be very funny if they're the Pennsylvania team that makes the playoffs. Right. Be that, very- would be, that would be really funny. As it stands right now, we talked about this before the, the show started. The the two versus three matchup in the Metro is the Flyers and the Islanders. Oof. I don't think I've seen a worse playoff series in my life. You know what's funny, though, is it would probably still be the highest rated one because it's <laughs> yeah. New York and Philadelphia. <laughs> New York and Philadelphia. And it would be it would probably do irreparable damage to the yes. The amount yes. of people tuning and be like, oh, Philly and Long Island. That's probably a fun series. They're going to watch it and be like, this is the worst thing I have ever watched it's in so my bad. life. So bad. But that game's going to be fun. Uh, we do have one more game to talk about. Uh, this game is on Monday, so we're going to have to decide if we're recording on Tuesday or what What when it comes we will, to We will figure it out. It depends yeah. on my energy levels and how much I'm doing at work Sunday and Monday. We will see where that goes. We will but, see where that goes. But this is a, it's a late start, too, so it's 7.30 Mountain Time, so 9.30 for you. Um, the Flames are the Flames, and you should win this game. I there's no offense buts about it. You should win this game against the Flames. Yeah, they they have their moments where they beat good teams. I mean, they've helped us out a lot with Dallas this year. They beat them twice. They beat Vegas too. Then they lose to Vancouver. Then they lose to Minnesota. Then they go and beat the Hurricanes yesterday because the Hurricanes they just can't get a save. Yeah, like the the Flames, they just don't move me at all. They are an okay hockey team that has good players and just doesn't have a lot going for it. They're not going to be a lottery team. They're probably going to hover around a wild card spot most of the year. They're probably going to be like perennially six to seven points back of the playoffs the entire year. Yes. All right. The, I'm just going to say it. If you lose this game, you should not lose this game. No, no if fans about to you win this game. That's right. where I'm at with it. You should win this game. I mean, the flames, they don't have anything better than you. They don't have better coaching. And the team, it, you had to fight for that win last time. You're going to have to play well against them. But if you play well, you have no excuse to lose. Correct. Correct. So I, I think the Abs win this one four to two. Yeah, I think that's a fine score. Honestly, I'll no fuck. I'm going to go off the board six to two. They win this. I like game. it. My scores are always so safe. Three two, four to two. Two. The Abs are going to score six goals. They're going to win the game six two. I'm, ty- I'm tired of all my boring ass scores. I like it. I like that. That's a bold take. I like it. I do think the Avs win. I, I do think they're going to finish this homestand three, four, and one. I do. I certainly hope so. And then you have the Sabres game on Wednesday. We'll talk about that next episode. And Eric Johnson's triumphant return to, to Ball Arena. But as it's going to be sad, man. It's going to be, yeah. I mean, it's going to be sad, but it's also going to be like probably even more than the ovation Kadri got. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's pretty safe to say that EJ is going to get a, a handy round of applause on Wednesday returns. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that one. That one's going to be, uh, that's going to be weird. It's going to be a weird, weird thing to see, but 
again, when we talk about the Sabres, we should beat the Sabres too. So we'll save that for, for the next episode. But overall, man, anything else you want to talk about about the Avs? I mean, Avs-wise, I think we've kind of beat it to death over the last couple episodes. Uh, you had McKinnon come back for you and dominate. You need more from Miko. And they're just the, – the way the depth is working right now, especially in the top six, is just there's got to be something done eventually. Yeah. The power play has got to be better. Penalty kills got to be better too. There's just – things need to be better, but you're in first place right now. Correct. And Not that's by a lot. Not by a lot. Not right. even by point percentage, but you are in first. Right. As it stands right now, you are the top team in the Central Division. Winnipeg is two points behind you. Dallas is one point behind you with a game in hand. And you you can't rest on your laurels yet, but to be still figuring things out this much and still leading your division, you could be much worse. But could be much worse. So you, yeah, you, you also do also have to realize you've won one game out of your last five. Yeah. Need, Not need great. To be better. Need to be better on that front. You've gotten points in three of them, but with three, four more, three more games, excuse me, coming up still on this homestand, you got to start rattling off some wins here eventually. Yes. Agreed. So um, I did want to bring up one more thing before we end the episode. It was just an, Oh fuck. I'm getting old moment. Uh, Matt Duchesne played his thousand, 1000th game last night. And I still vividly remember his first game. And that made me feel really fucking old that he's played a thousand games. Well, you are old. I know. But like even more like I remember when he was drafted. I remember his first game as a rookie. And it just fucked my brain. I was like, what the fuck's going on here, man? This can't be happening right now. Like when fucking McDavid plays his thousandth game, you're going to be like that too. Like, oh, fuck, man. Like this is weird. Like it's. Because it's like Duchesne started when I was a high schooler. Yeah. So it's like it doesn't feel that long ago, but it is that long ago, and it just mentally fucked up my brain. Yeah, I was I was gonna make the comparison to like when Burakovsky hits a thousand games, they'll feel old. He that man's never hitting a thousand games. No. Did you see he's hurt again? Yes, I did. Yeah, he played. He returned last night, played two periods, and now has a different injury and is week to week. Yeah, I saw that. I saw your tweet. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, that's just how it goes for Burakovsky. I mean, still would love him back on the abs if he wants to come back. But uh, he'd fit right in. He would. He would. So, yeah, I mean, any other NHL news? I, I don't really think there's much. We talked about the Penguins' historically bad power play. Um, I, mean, I don't really think there's much. The, Dude, are, is it time to hit the panic button for the Devils? No, I think they're right in it again. I mean, they're 6-4 and four in the last 10. They've won two in a row. I and mean, how many points back of a playoff spot are they even right now? Like two? They're going to be fine. I mean, we're, we talked about the Flyers. They're not going to stay there the whole time. I don't think the Islanders are good. They're not going to hold down that spot. The Devils are going to make the playoffs, but maybe they're just not the the super mega contender we thought they were. But also Carolina. That's what I was about to ask. Who are you more yeah. worried about, New Jersey or Carolina? Honestly, kind of the Hurricanes because the Devils are not getting great goaltending, but they're stopping some pucks. And they also had the excuse of being hurt. Like they were right. missing Hughes and Heischer for a lot of that. And Timo Meyer just hasn't been very good. The Hurricanes can't stop a beach ball. And also they can't score. Yeah, and but they also, lose seven to one to the Oilers. Yeah, I mean, this is an Oilers team they embarrassed barely two weeks ago in yeah. Carolina that led to a bunch of changes. And then... They got smoked six to one in Edmonton, and then they lost to the Flames the next night. They've lost three in a row. 
they're they're struggling a lot. They look like they're missing a lot of star power, and none of their goalies can can stop anything right now. Freddie Anderson, he's he had the what was it was it the blood clot issue yes. that he's got him out indefinitely. Peter Koshikov is an eight seventy three, and Antti Ranta is an eight sixty three. That is, you are killing that team. Yes, and the defense is good. <laughs> like I saw, they're in on Mario Ferraro on the Sharks. How many defensemen do they need? I was gonna say, like, you, what is the plan? You've got <laughs> Slavin, Burns, Brady Shea, Brett Pesci, Dmitry Orlov, D'Angelo, Jalen Chatfield. They had Caleb Jones before he was traded here. You need someone who can like put a puck in the net eventually. Yes, you do. I Maybe they move Brett Burns back to forward. I, honestly, they might at this point. You imagine and, if they would have gotten Carlson like they were rumored to as well. That is so dumb. They were going to trade for Eric Carlson and play him with Brent Burns, which they did in San Jose, and it didn't work. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's weird right now in the East. Like, I, I thought the East was going to be really good. The East is just kind of a whole bunch of mediocre outside of, like, the Rangers and the Bruins. It kind of is right now. The Rangers are are playing really well, even though they lost to the Senators pretty badly the other day. And the Bruins are the Bruins. They're they're coming down to earth a little yes. bit. They're five, four, and one. Their last ten. They lost to Buffalo the other night. On the second half of back to back for Buffalo too. Right. And every, like Toronto just does not move. Wall got hurt last night. Did you see that? They're fucked. That's the case. I mean, have the Leafs? When was the last time they won a game in regulation? Every time I watch a game, they, they won really... last night in regulation. Yeah, that's true. I didn't watch that game, so it didn't count. But yeah, I mean, Wall got hurt, and the... Martin Jones came in. Did you know Martin Jones plays for the Leafs? I thought that was last year. Am I making no. that? No, Martin Jones played for the Kraken, bro. I could have sworn that whole thing of Martin Jones on the Leafs was last season for nope. some reason. This season, yeah, he he came I... into the game. That was funny. I guess I just completely gaslit myself there. Yeah. But... Very funny. But yeah, the hey, East is kind of meh. Yeah, getting to the point. The, the Leafs just don't move me all that much. Yeah, they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, they're fine. They might win a round. I just don't care. Florida's fine. They're tied with the Penguins right now at the end of the second period. Uh, Detroit was up 4 to nothing on the Sharks in the second period. They scored all those goals in four minutes, and it was 4-4 at the end of the second. And they lost in overtime to, I think, uh, my favorite team of all time, the San Jose Sharks, who are so fun. They sucked to start the season. We were talking about this might be one of the worst teams of all time. They lost two games back-to-back, giving up 10 goals. And since then, like they're almost a 500 team recently. And yeah. the Islanders, they were down 4-1 to one with under 10 minutes to play. They tie the game and win it in overtime. And against Detroit, they're down 4 to nothing. Tie it before the end of the period. Nico Sturm with two goals, and they win that game in overtime too. I I I think this is my favorite team. I love them. They're so fun. They're, they're fun. They're fun. I like them too. So it's uh it it's going to be interesting. And I think now we can just confirm Chicago is going to finish with the least amount of points in the end. Oh, that team's so bad. They're yeah. awful. <laughs> Connor Bedard is drowning on that four team. I mean. It's, Working out perfectly for them. They can say they tried because they traded for Hall. And Connor Bedard is going to win the Calder. And I don't know, man. It could be Fantilli. It's going to be Bedard. He started the season with a massive head start because of the media hype. And he's leading everyone by six points. I, I agree. It should not be a runaway. But he's going to win. Yeah, more than likely. 
more than likely. But I I don't know if you can tell uh, recording this. I have three dogs in my house right now, and I'm honestly impressed we made it through a whole episode without any of them barking. So not, I think we should, end it on, yeah, we should end it on a high note before anything else happens. All right. If you insist, we deprive <laughs> the people of our our dulcet tones and our mindless ramblings at the end of the episode <laughs> for yet another one. I think our last one was 67 minutes. I mean, well, geez, we're slacking. I know. What I happened mean, to those little, like good old 90 minutes that we do just <laughs> on like a random Monday when we play one game? I love those. Those were fun. Those are fun. I think these have been more, I think these have been better. So we're going to say like we're gonna that. Yeah, I like these a lot more where we're not just breaking a game down period by period five days after it happens. And then like just talking about like the gym, like we've done a couple of times this season. Right. And then, yeah, the gym, what we're talking about, it's going to get, it's hell season for the gym right now. Don't go to the gym. Don't go to the gym. Don't anyway. Yeah. So, but yeah, I don't think I got anything else, brother. Yeah, I think we're all good for this one. Thank you all for tuning in to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can use promo code Tell It Abs It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at G Young's NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore belay. And you can follow the show at Tell It Abs It Is. But again, Thank you all so very much for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go out.